0: Never let it be said that I never bring you any good news. People think that all I do is black pill. That is not what I try to do here. Today, I'm going to go over, very briefly, a story of victory for the church in America. Even if it is a small victory, all things considered, but let's count our blessings here because it is a victory. But then I'm going to ask you a tough question. Where are the bishops? You're seeing the story being widely reported that I'm going to, briefly and unfortunately have to be very careful going over, At the start of this, but certain details are being left out in a lot of the reporting, and it begs a question I have to ask, especially as we head into 2021, where it looks all but certain that Caesar Nero will be ascendant in my country. And if that is the case, then we must be vigilant and be ready to seek out the sacraments where they are offered. Let's get into the good news first, though, and it's a simple story. The Remnant is reporting that Chris Ferrara has won his legal wrestling match against Philip Murphy, who said that the Church can only have so so many people attending Mass at the same time, despite putting no such rules in place for what the law sees as a similar operation in the sixth secular world. He did so in the name of the present situation, of course. Ferrara is a lawyer with the St. Thomas More Society, and he represented leaders from various, mm, we'll say, traditions, and importantly for Catholics, he represented Father Kevin Robinson of the Society of St. Pius X. Maybe you've heard of the SSPX, probably from someone misrepresenting that group's status with the Vatican or various problems they're having. They're not a group in schism according to the Vatican, which is all that matters. But instead of diving into that can of worms, I bring up the fact that this priest is an SSPX priest for a simple reason. While we should be happy that Ferrara was victorious in this endeavor, we have to ask a basic question. Where are the bishops in all of this? Father Robinson is the pastor of St. Anthony of Padua Church in North Caldwell, New Jersey, which is part of the Archdiocese of Newark, New Jersey, and who might you who might you be asking is the Archbishop there? Well, it's our good friend Cardinal Joseph Tobin. Yes, nighty Knight Joseph Tobin is the Cardinal Archbishop of Newark, New Jersey, and is the most powerful prelate in the state. More importantly, that makes him one of the most influential bishops in the North American hierarchy. This is especially poignant to remember when Cardinal Tobin has called out Murphy before because, as you might expect, Murphy is a Catholic, and being that he is the governor of that state, that means that in theory at least he has a relationship with Cardinal Tobin. Given Tobin's track record on all of the favorite pet topics of the otherwise useless U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops and its alignment with Nero, that influence is all but guaranteed. The problem is that the new incarnation of Caesar and his coterie of Moloch is precisely in favor of the bishop's restricting mass and going along with Caesar when he shutters the doors of parishes and limits our access to sacraments, and therein lies the problem. Some people gave me flack for saying that Francis is partnered with the beast. This partnership has not been in the works for years, and in America at least, this partnership has been on full display for some time. I mean, look no further than to Nighty Knight Tobin himself, who remained silent, as in the case of Father Robinson, as far as I can tell. The truly rich part of all of this is that some notable anti-SSPX voices are celebrating Ferrara's victory, and while it certainly should be celebrated, note carefully that the vast majority of the hierarchy in America and abroad has gone along with the Mass being functionally unavailable to most parishioners. Back to some places, they went ahead and did it before Caesar demanded it. The idea of signing of up three weeks ahead of time to attend Mass, yes, in some places you have to sign up three weeks ahead of time to attend Mass, is beyond ridiculous. But that is the case in the Archdiocese of Portland, Oregon, where another bishop, Archbishop Sample, who I am personally fond of and generally think of as one of the better bishops, and I do wish he would speak up more, is also going along with Caesar. Why? I don't know. But rendering unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar does not mean allowing Caesar to tell us how we are to worship God or who may worship him and in what manner. This isn't merely a Tobin issue. This is practically across the board. But given that this is the week of Christmas, I'll give you a positive reminder that not all bishops in America are kneeling to Caesar on this, despite that many that are happy that it appears that Nero is in ascendancy. One bishop is Bishop Strickland of Tyler, Texas, who back in May joined Vigano and signed a statement calling this movement by Caesar in the name of the affliction for what it was, the birth of the Novus Ordo Seclorum, the rise of the beast. That is worth noting. If you don't remember this, in the show notes for today over at returntotradition.org, I have some old articles linked from back in May when Bishop Strickland was one of the very few lone voices for the faithful in these turbulent times, which sadly he still is, but at least a few of the bishops seem now to be considering stirring from their perpetual slumber, and that's a good thing, trust me. It is worth noting here that at the end of the day, this is about how we as Catholics will live. Are we to be salt and light in the world, as our Lord commands? Or are we going to blend in with the world, which our Lord said is like when salt loses its flavor? In these times, we need to be going to Mass, making more frequent use of the sacraments, and in general, fasting more often. And of course, we we shouldn't be sinning. But, you know, that's probably the hard part. So in closing this out, I'm going to give you news that on a purely spiritual level is more important. Last week, traditionally-minded Catholics observed the Ember Days, which are marked by fasting and various levels of abstaining from meat depending on the day. Ember Days for each season are observed on specific Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays of the week in reference here. This past week was the Ember Days for this season. The good news in this is that one bishop is using his authority to call for a restoration of the observance of the Ember Days, which were more or less abolished by the Second Vatican Council for whatever reason. Bishop Douglas Lucia of Syracuse, and I probably mispronounced his name, Syracuse, New York, has called for the restoration of this holy practice, which is traditionally observed for an increase in vocations to the priesthood. This is great news. for the. From the Catholic Herald, quote, Father Christopher Saept, again, mispronounced his name, apologies, uh, Father, the Diocese of Syracuse's liturgy director, told CNA that the idea came about because the diocese is also observing a year of prayer for vocations, and ember days were, tr- have traditionally been days of prayer for vacations. Ember days are days of prayer and fasting that mark the changing of times and seasons in order to bring about deeper spiritual renewal, the priest told CNA. On these days, the church entreats the Lord for the various needs of humanity and gives thanks to God for various blessings received, he added, quoting the universal norms on the liturgical year and the calendar. The word ember is an English adaptation of the Latin name Quatur tempora, meaning four seasons. The ember days were attested to as traditional by Pope St. Leo I, and they were prescribed for the whole of the Latin rite by the time of Pope St. Gregory VII, end quote. Ordinations have traditionally been done on Ember Saturday, once upon a time, and I think the t- more common ordination day, which is in late June or mid-June, still falls on what would be Ember Saturday if it was a widely practiced feast and fasting period. Now I'm going to remind you that in the spirit of 2020 and the need for fasting as we approach whatever most of us kind of sense is coming that Christmas Eve is traditionally a day of fasting. Yes, Catholics used to fast on the eve of the Feast of the Nativity of the Lord. And I know this sounds weird because we've become so wrapped up in the sort of secular observance of christmas that we kind of forget that fasting is key to this and that christmas for us starts on the feast of the nativity on the 25th of december and goes for several weeks afterwards and that at the, that we observe a day of fasting before the feast of the nativity it's surprising for many It's another pious practice that fell by the wayside under the influence of the modernists, but it is true, and I hope that you'll consider this Christmas Eve an opportune time to reinstate that practice. Also be aware that in addition to Christmas being a holy day of obligation, so is New Year's Day and January 6th, which both mark important feasts in the church's liturgical year. Start the new secular year off right by going to Mass. If your bishop is allowing you access to the Mass, which is your right as a Catholic, and make 2021 a year of victory for the Church, our Lord reminds us that certain demons can only be cast up by praying and fasting, and there have been precious little praying and fasting in 2021, or 2020 coming from our bishops. So good on the Bishop of Syracuse for bringing back the Ember Days pray that he keeps them in his diocese beyond 2020. If you're hearing this, Bishop, I don't expect you to comment or anything, but please consider keeping the Ember Days as a pious practice in your diocese, and maybe we can see it spread across the United States and spread across the world from there. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.